As Linda mentioned, I, just, I have the privilege to sort of share a few thoughts with you this morning as we enter into this new month. But um, the, the thoughts that I was going to share when Dave asked me what uh, to maybe put down somewhere for a title, just to be, let people be aware, I changed my mind after I heard the last two services. Um, two weeks ago when Brent spoke about hope and that we need to be a people of hope, and last week when Luke spoke really about love, about opening up our doors, and the master saying, come. And if that's not a loving act, I don't know what is. And, um, and again, I just got to say again, uh, um, all the different speakers that we have a chance to hear over the, over the, the, uh, the year, certainly starting with Dave, here, we hear Carolyn a, a fair bit, and Brent, of course. Um, I just got to say, uh, that Luke Steves hit it out of the park. He was uh, tremendous. I mean, um, we sometimes think that you can just stand up here and do this, and he just sort of had these thoughts in his head the night before. Um, uh, that, that just doesn't happen. And at, at that young age, uh, just, just incredible. So we need to encourage our young people, and it's great to have, see them have the opportunities to take on uh, these kind of situations, whether it's behind the scenes or up, up front. Just, just great to really see. And so um, uh, just, uh, yeah, just a reminder. Um, that uh, their, their lives are just great to have a part of our fellowship. Well, I'm just going to uh, have a brief word of prayer, and then we can see if we can get to the question up here, all right? Loving Lord, thank you who you are, and thank you that you indeed um, uh, do love us, and that you call us to be a people of hope, uh, but you also call us to be faithful. And so we look at the whole concept of faith this morning, Father, uh, in broad strokes, we pray that you just give me the words that indeed... A nugget or two from you I might be able to fall um, on the ears of those who are here to listen. My name we pray and ask it. Amen. All right, let's start with that first picture, Larry, and we'll see if we can take it from there. Now, initially, I thought if I show this picture, I might be dating myself, but I did, I did a little pretest with some, with some actually young people in high school, and I said, you guys heard of the tortoise and the hare? And they said, yeah. So let's do double check. Uh, young people, have you heard of the tortoise and the hare? Any? Yes, some? If, if you're below 30 and you've heard of it, just say yes or no. Yes, okay, phew, all right. Now, when I asked them, so you've heard of Aesop's fables? They said, who? <laughs> but they heard of the tortoise and the hare. And we know the basic story behind it. We know that this cocky hare, you know, um, uh, just was so full of himself, and the tortoise finally had enough of it, and he said, I bet you I can beat you. And the hare said, no way. And, and in his cockiness, in his uh, um, position of feeling so superior, he just decides to lay down and sleep. And uh, lo and behold, the tortoise slides on by and beats him at the line. Now, I confess to you, as a young child, I was well aware of this story, and I heard it many times, but the truth of the matter is, I hated it. Because, you see, it, what it, didn't, it didn't teach me slow and steady wins the race, which is kind of supposed to be the moral, right? No, it taught me stupid and arrogant never wins, right? Stupid and lazy never wins. It had nothing to do with slow and steady. Because, see, I was all about quick, fast, speedy. 
And any sport that I played, my, my favorite players were always, in hockey, the fastest skater, or the guy that could shoot the puck the hardest and the fastest. In baseball, the guy that stole the most bases. In football, the receiver that could outrun everybody and catch that diving catch. It was always about the speed, never about the slow. And so I never liked slow and steady wins the race, never liked the tortoise and the hare. And that hare was just one exception. I mean, what idiot would think that a tortoise could beat a hare, right? In fact, if uh, we can go to that next slide, Larry. Here was the image of speed and elegance. That's what sort of represented it for me. And when you think about speed, you know, all right, hare, beat, all right, tortoise, beat that. It's ama it just amazed me as a young person that that animal there can run as fast as I'm allowed to drive out on the double lane, okay, by the signs and also by when Dawn's with me. <laughs> Seth, how fast are you going? We're fine. We're fine. Right? But 110 kilometers an hour versus this animal... You know, yes, it's impressive they can go a week without drinking. I wasn't into drinking much of anything anyway, so it didn't impress me a whole lot. But they're just plotters. Now, yes, they can run fairly quickly, I'm told. But it's ugly. <laughs> right? It does, does, it's not, it's, go, back, go back to that cheetah, Larry. It's not, it's not that cheetah. It's not that grace, right? Look at that. Right? So you understand, speed was the key for me. And I hated the tortoise and the hare story because it was teaching children bad lessons. And I wasn't going to make sure that it taught me. But you know, as I got thinking about it, I don't think I'm guilty of that myself alone. I suspect there's a number in this crowd here. With the number of folk that we have here, we're pushing over 100, uh, well over 100 people here. I suspect there's some that are very much like me. Let me see if I can prove it to you. Let's go, let's go past the camel now. Anybody know who that is? Usain Bolt, right? You knew it like that, didn't you? Okay? I can bet dollars to donuts. No, I can't say that in church. I'm pretty certain. <laughs> I'm pretty certain that you don't know his name because he won the 10K. The 10-kilometer run. Okay? Right? I suspect you know it because he won what's considered to be the race that determines the fastest human being on earth, the 100 meter. And you know at the Olympics, when they run this race, it sells out first. It's the best scalping ticket to have. It's the biggest crowd there is on TV when that, when that race is on. So something tells me Seth's not alone in this belief of the hair. Go, hair, go! Right? Don't be stupid. Go! Right? Because let's look at... Oh, oh yeah, thanks, Larry. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, the, there's the cheetah, there's the hare beating all the other hares, not the tortoises. Those are all hares. And look, he's coasting. <laughs> he's coasting. Right? He's the cheetah in the pack. He's the lead cheetah in that pack. And there's just something wow about that, right? Not the camel, not the tortoise, Right? Right? Now, let's, so we know who that is. Do you know who that is? I had to look it up too. <laughs> That's Stephen Kiprochik. Stephen Kiprochik. And guess what? He won an identical medal as Usain Bolt did 
but no one knows outside of his home country, and maybe Kenya because he, because he beat two Kenyans. Thus, the African shirt, by the way. All right. All right? He beat two Kenyans. He was from... He's, a, he's, there, he's there second. He's the guy with the... Uh, that, that's him with, against the Kenyans there. Those three basically ran the whole race together, and he, he stretched it out at the very end. The Kenyans were the favorite, and so... Some of them are semi-known within the long-distance running world, but as soon as the Olympics are over, we don't pay attention to it ever again, right? Why? Because we don't care about long and slower, right? Right? I mean, those are no tortoises or camels, but they're no Usain Bolts either, right? So what's my point? My point is that we're, we're almost wired, at least, in this, at least in the Western world, we're almost wired to say fast is good, okay? Slow, not so good. That's why we need to have Aesop's fable to remind us from time to time. All right? and, and there's a sense where uh, that's part of what I want to think about in terms of us as people of faith. That part of our wiring, unfortunately, because we're so much into the speed that if it don't happen like this, eh, maybe God's not real. Eh, maybe God's not with me. Uh, maybe, those, you know, maybe all those promises, eh, he didn't mean it. Right? Because if it can't happen in less than 10 seconds, like the 100-meter dash, it's not real. It's not worth cheering about. It's not worth celebrating. Another thing that's kind of fascinating that I don't know if you know it, if there's any um, uh, African folk within your life. Now, again, various different countries and tr various different tribes within each of those countries, but all the different African individuals that I've had a chance to meet over the years, as far as Christian Af Africans are concerned, is they're not into necessarily being impressed with speed. It's, for me, it's, it's metaphoric that they're the best long-distance runners in the world, but when I've seen them in their faith, they have the most patience <laughs> in the world. And that's kind of amazing, especially until more recent years, when their lives weren't nearly as long as ours. Right? But yet they had patience for let God work it out. Not just month after month, but year upon year. <laughs> God is faithful. God is here. God is with us. You can't tell right now, right? Because I'm way in the back of the race somewhere, it seems. Right? So it's kind of symbolic in relation to that. So there's where came the question. Um, when it comes to faith, are we sprinters? I think most of us tend to be in the Western world, as opposed to long-distant runners. But at the same time, back to the communion, the power of the and, right? The last thing I wanted to do was make this message a polarity, where half go say, well, I don't agree with that, Seth. I think sprinting's pretty good. I, th I think I should be a faith sprinter, right? And the other half's going, oh, yeah, that was a good point. I'm, I'm going to be a long-distance runner uh, faith person. The point here is not that. The point here is, you know, maybe we can learn from a little bit of both. But let's focus, first of all, as to what we can practically learn from that long-distance runner, shall we? But let's, have, let's add a few little scriptures in this to sort of help us on our way. If you have your Bibles, or as Dave would say, your smart devices you can turn to. I've just got this old-fashioned thing here. Um, Hebrews 12. going to read uh, verses 1 and 2 for you. And then we're going to flip over to James 1 and just read a few verses. Hebrews 12. It's called the race of faith. Huh, what a coincidence, right? Therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand at the throne of God. And then just a few pages over into James, James 1, 2-4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, because when we fall into trials, we don't count it all joy, do we? You know, I need a hundred dash yards, dash, meter dash solution here, God. Get it done in less than 10 seconds, and I'll still believe in you. But it says, my brother, encounter all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I don't want patience. I want results. And all of a sudden, I've got to be reminded, patience is a result. Patience is a result. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, there's a scary thought. That with patience, that without patience, I'm lacking something. With it, oh my goodness, I might be lacking nothing if my patience and faith is in God, who's the author and finisher of that faith, right? So, what can we learn? A few things we can learn from the long-distance runner, I want to suggest. But for starters, I think the verse there gives us a bit of a hint. It says, run with endurance the race that is set before you. Because if... Uh, um, so, right at the very start, we get this word endurance thrown at us, right? A marathoner... I think it's fair to say it has to endure a little bit longer than a 100-meter dash runner. Fair? Are you with me? All right. Okay. So lesson one is the faith journey, my journey and yours, may have its share of stomach and leg cramps, dehydration, exhaustion, and all kinds of difficulties that we have to encounter before we hit the finish line, and even worse, before the finish line is even in sight. But yet, what's the call? Endure. <laughs> that doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? You know? We, we, we have a slightly better way. We, we'll hang in there. Right? Right? That endure. Right? In this thing called faith, if I'm surprised that I have the equivalent, faith-wise, of stomach cramps, dehydration, exhaustion, can't go another step, if that's my feeling... I shouldn't be surprised. Endure. Okay? Now, here's the, here's the beautiful part, if, if this will help you. Whether people think they have faith or not, they still have to endure. Right? So, choosing not to endure doesn't all of a sudden get you off the hook. So, what, what, what a great lesson to learn from the long-distance runner. Um, I think I'll keep running. The finish line is out there somewhere, but I'm just gonna, I just got to make the next step, and then the next one after that. Okay, So our first lesson is endure. Our second lesson that we can learn from the long-distance runner is, uh, is let's, let's, let's imagine that life is the equivalent of a marathon. Okay? So if a marathon is 26, plus miles, uh, 26 miles plus a few yards, and let's say that that's the equivalent of our lifespan, 75 to 80 years. 75-ish for us guys, 80-ish for the women. Right? All right. Um, then... The 100-yard dash is about the equivalent of five months. So the second lesson that I can learn from the long-distance runner is longevity. Okay? So all of a sudden I'm realizing, well, if I don't like pain, maybe I can learn to adjust to it because I've got time. Maybe I can learn the lesson of endurance because I've got time. I mean, again, we know this too. How often we say, and it is said, when those who are sort of taken from us prematurely in their earlier years, that they've been snatched away way too soon, right? And so we almost assume that the gift of life is longevity, don't we? 
And that's not a bad assumption. The Bible says threescore year and ten. If there's strength for more, great, right? And so there is a sense where we can learn from the long-distance runner that longevity is a good thing. That, in a sense, 100-yard dashes, hmm, not so much maybe. And so if we can learn to endure, we can also then have the benefits and the possibilities of actually contributing longer within this life that we have as believers. Right? If we've only got five months, and sometimes, sadly, people face that, you know, say, I'm, I'm sorry, it doesn't look good, five months to go. Well, all of a sudden, they start focusing for sure. But if we can focus without that message needing to be there, saying, you know, you got your life. Let's go. We can learn that from the long-distance runner as well. I think a third lesson we can learn from the long-distance runner comes also from the scripture that's mentioned here. In verse 2, it says, looking on to Jesus. Where do we fix our eyes? Where, where are those guys' eyes facing? Outward and up, right? Right? So one, th- one thing we can learn from the long-distance runner is to look up. Look out and up. Okay? Can they see the finish line? No, they're not looking for that. But they're looking to be aware as they go on this, on this journey of faith, as they head out for 26 miles and change. Right? They're not looking for the finish line. You know? When's it going to finish? Right? But they're, they, are, they are putting their heads up heavenward, if we could almost use the the analogy, and fixing their eyes, as we as believers are called to look onto Jesus. Look out (laughs) and run and move. And don't be worried where the finish line is. Be thankful that you've been given many years, Lord willing, to endure and to be a part of that body and part of that faithfulness with him. Okay? Right? Now, the question is, what can we learn from our... We go back to that second question, Larry. What can we learn from the sprinter? Because remember, I, I want to make sure that I didn't get us all polarized, polarized here by thinking that, okay, sprinting is bad, bad sprinter. No, no, no. We can still revel in the cheetah. We just don't want to be stupid like the hare. All right? So when it comes to what can we learn practically and spiritually from the sprinter, let's, let's look at a couple things. Let's look at that first picture again, Larry. We looked at the long-distance runner's eyes. Well, from the sprinter's eyes, we can learn something as well. Every now and again, when we face situations in life, a bowed head (laughs) is not a bad thing. A bowed head is an important thing. And, And I don't know if those guys are praying when they're in the blocks. I bet you some of them are. right? But symbolically... If we think of the sprinter and what gives him his powerful start or her powerful start, is it that bowed position and springing out of the blocks? And here's the image that comes to my mind when I think of the classic bowed head is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his head bowed, possibly his head in his hands even, saying, oh Lord, if it be thy will, please take this cup from me. Yeah, What a prayer for our Savior to pray. Did he not want to die for us? Was he doubting? No, he was realistic. He understood what was even being faced. See, he learned from the long-distance runner that there was some endurance coming. But he was learning from the sprinter that a bowed head uh, is a powerful thing as well. And with that bowed head, he was able to spring forward, (laughs) face the Garden of Gethsemane, face the cross, and move forward on our behalf. How many times in our faith... Do we forget to bow our head 
and acknowledge what is before us and seek God's direction that way. But while we're, while we're there, let's go back to that uh, sprinter takeoff picture there, uh, Larry, while you're there. Just look at these guys here as an example. Coming out of the blocks, something else that I see in this image is power and strength and, and explosion, explosive getaways. The other thing I think we can learn from the, the sprinter is every now and again, we don't need to bow our head to know what God's will is. Many, many times, don't but you, I can find myself in a situation where I just need to know I need to get out of here. This is not where I should be. Remember Joseph, Potiphar's wife? Okay. Here's a guy, he'd solved all a bunch of dreams and he made his way up to be right, right next to, to Potiphar. And he's a young, good, strapping looking guy, you know, ripping muscles like these guys probably were. Potiphar's wife comes in and says, Oh, Joseph, nice to see you. Okay? Good to have you in town. Right? Well, I don't think Joseph had to, um, you know, when she was saying, come here, come here, grabbing him by the garment, I don't think Joseph had to say, I better pray about this. Lord, should I stay with this woman or not? No. He was out of the box. <laughs> Full speed ahead because of the strength that he had to be able to pull away and go. And he went with less on than those guys got. He left his clothes behind and was out of there. Right? Which is going to lead us to another point in just a second. But here's the case. Strength and escape ability is part of what we can learn from the sprinter as well. We don't need to be always in prayer. Prayer is part of what we need for our strength, but we've got to live. And in our living, we need to sometimes have a capacity to be able to run and escape. Third and last question in the midst of this bigger question of what can we learn from these guys. Third and last question is, can we learn anything from both the sprinter and the long-distance runner? Do you have that little slide there, Larry? We're coming on down the home stretch. Part of what I realized as I'm looking at both these, both these sets of runners, we can go to the next slide, Larry, is also within the scripture. It talks about looking on Jesus, the author finish of your faith, but it says in verse 1, lay aside every weight and the sin that easily snares you. Do you notice that these guys don't tend to run with backpacks? You know, the long distance runner, they're carrying maybe some water. Maybe their watch is on. Everything else, whatever clothes they've got to wear, it's light, aerodynamic. The sprinters, it's skin tight. Okay? They've laid aside everything possible so they can be the best they are in their race, whether it's long distance running or whether it's sprinting. The question for us is in our faith is how often do we lay aside? Or we say, I say, I, I could be pretty faithful with this still in my life. Because I can find all kinds of examples of Christians who aren't perfect yet. When they are, I'll do it. Right? And at the same time, we put on the backpack and seek to be that sprinter or even that long-distance runner of faith you know, with the sin that does so easily beset us, with the thing that we can still lay aside in part of our journey. And from both of these runners, the sprinter or the long-distance runner, they don't need to be encumbered, thank you very much. But yet sometimes in our faith, We'll strap on all kinds of things or keep all kinds of things in our life that don't really help us in our pursuit of God. 
and our faithfulness of God. We'll even have backup plans in case God isn't faithful, right? I'll do this just in case God isn't faithful, right? Not the case with these guys. And last but not least that we can learn from these, these gentlemen and women that run is it takes training. It takes training. Day in, day out. The hare was lazy. It was fast but lazy. But that sprinter and the long-distance runners don't go into their races without having trained. Okay? And so we can learn these things from it. So, as we wrap it up, what can we know for sure? Faith and endurance go hand in hand. Okay? So, learn to endure. That's number one. Secondly, endurance can equal longevity sometimes. And we should be able to take advantage of that longevity. Every day the good Lord gives us, you know, is a chance to be faithful again. Huh, how cool is that? A chance to be faithful again. Thirdly, endurance is only possible as we fix our eyes on Christ. Okay? The long-distance runner is a classic example on that. Looking ahead. They can't see the finish line, but they're looking ahead. As we fix our eyes on Christ, it doesn't matter where the finish line is. We don't need to know where it is. We're pressing forward to Him. Where I put my focus on Him is huge. Fourthly, endurance also comes via a bowed head and a, and a bowed heart. So we take on humility and surrender, but we, fifthly, we, we know when to run and we know when to, to escape so that we're in good shape so we can run away. And last but not least, endurance is always enhanced as we lay aside our burdens and our sin rather than piling them on ourselves. The Lord is faithful with us Luke reminds us of the call for love. Brent reminds us of the call for hope. I'm seeking to remind us of that call to be faithful, as he is faithful. Whether you identify with the hare or the tortoise, really doesn't matter. Whether you like cheetahs or camels, really doesn't matter. Whether you're into Usain Bolt or you've become a new friend of, of Kip Rotich, doesn't really matter about that. But as people of faith, we do, it does matter. And these passages in Hebrews and James just give us a hint as to how we can press forward on his behalf and for him. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you so much for who you are and your goodness to us. We thank you for your lessons that you can teach us in all different parts of life. We're so excited about how you can um, guide us and lead us in, th in various things. And we thank you for the chance to be here together in your house, worshiping you. We ask it in thy name. Amen.